What growth strategy should you focus on first after you've bought your online business? Hi, I'm Jared Krause. I am the host of the Buying Online Businesses podcast. And today I'm speaking with Maria Paratuyan, who is the co-founder at Loopex Digital, one of the fastest growing SEO agencies in the world. Now she grew the agency to a seven-figure valuation from the ground up in three years. Now outside of Loopex Digital, she is a keynote speaker and an SEO coach. She is the founder of the first SEO Academy, an offline training program in Armenia. By 2023, she had trained over 500 marketing enthusiasts to deepen their knowledge and start a successful career in SEO as well. Now, she is in one of the fastest growing SEO agencies and one of the fastest growing influence on LinkedIn for SEO, where she shares her experiences and her success stories to educate and inspire SEOs as well. And in this podcast episode, it was such a delight to speak to Maria. We talked about a site that she had grown to 80,000 hits per month in a very short period. We talk about what you can do and what you need to do once you bought a site and how to grow. We talk about how to discover what you should work on first after you've bought your own content site. We also talk about how to run a successful PR link building campaign. We move on to talking about how to create topical authority the right way. We also talk about how to beat AI content with non-regurgitated content. There's really cool strategies within that that we discuss. We also discuss the difference between an SEO strategy and a content strategy. There's huge differences in those. And we also check, we talk about what to check through Google Search Console when doing due diligence. And lastly, we talk about some tools that Maria recommends for all site owners that are looking to grow their site with SEO. Now, there's so much value in this podcast. I'm sure you guys are absolutely going to love it. We do talk about buying businesses. If you're going to do this, make sure you get my Judon's framework at buyingonlinebusiness.com forward slash free resources. You can get my framework that I use and my clients use that's helped people buy great websites, saved people millions of dollars and made people millions of dollars. So get that. Now let's dive into the show. Have you been lied to about how to increase organic traffic and grow your website? I too used to think that all you needed to do is add more content and gain backlinks. But this just doesn't work. More content and more links alone is not the answer. Nor do you need to butcher your website with generic SEO changes you picked up on some crummy online tutorial leaving with a Frankenstein website that's slow and clunky. And because I got sick of seeing great people with great websites struggle to grow them, I decided to do something about it. I created an SEO service, which is not just about publishing content and getting links. Sure, we offer that. But first, we give you quick wins, which are SEO tweaks we can make to your website that actually boost your rankings. And then we lay out a killer SEO strategy to acquire more traffic and revenue that outranks your competitors with less content and less links. We've thoroughly tested this service on many websites before launching it and have achieved incredible results, which you'll see on our landing page I'm about to share with you. Now, you can finally buy a business and give it to us to grow it for you. To check out our SEO service, head to buyingonlinebusinesses.com forward slash SEO hyphen services and book a call to chat with us to see what is the best growth strategy for you and your website. That's buyingonlinebusinesses.com forward slash SEO services and the link will be in the description too. Maria, thanks for jumping on the pod. Thanks for having me. I wanted to get you on to talk about uh, PR for link building and scaling a content site. But just for everybody listening, um, when Maria jumped on, we were just talking off air that she started a site uh, about a year ago and got to 80,000 hits a month. And I just thought, damn, we need to we need to break that apart as well. So what journey, what 
in have you done any PR link building for this site at all? This one that you that you started from scratch? I did. Yes, I did a few campaigns, like about four or five campaigns, which has which has generated about two three hundred backlinks from like really really relevant websites and like big medias that have multiple millions of traffic and like ninety eighty DRs. Oh, cool. So in my opinion, that that helped a lot. So what, but but what? Sorry. Yeah, but I have also built the website on an expired domain. Okay. So basically, the domain had some kind of an authority before, yeah. um, and the name was good. The brand, uh, the domain name was good. So I just instead of redirecting, I just used that and continued that. That helped as well. To tell that the expired domain had a huge authority, no, it didn't, but some authority to get that initial boost, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. What What was the domain or the DR or DA for that domain that you bought? I believe it was about 1920, but it had some domain relevancy and topical authority. That's why I chose... Rather, I pick something that has already uh, uh, the topical authority rather than something that is semi-related and has a big authority. So, Got you. And have you done this before? Like, have you bought spy domains before or started many sites before, like blogs? Uh, not really. I have helped people to do that with my agency. But myself, this was my first project. Okay, cool. Congrats. And so, thank you. And what's and at what stage did you start to do the PR for link building in this? In this, I would tell when when I started pushing some content on it, I immediately started to push some PR links. Okay. Yeah. So, so you would say at any stage of site's journey that if it's got a little bit of authority. Uh, or a small DR with a little bit of traffic, then you can start to build some links for it. Yeah, yeah. If you have a content that you want to rank, this is where the link building comes in, right? You just need to do something to get it ranked out there. Yeah, and so when you say PR for link building, is there any difference in that between just regular old link building? (laughs) Well, the purpose is the same, is to get good backlinks for your website, but the methods are different, meaning during the traditional uh, link building, which is still has it holds its value, like guest posting, insertions, three-way exchanges, and different kind of strategies out there. The PR defers that. Uh, firstly, it's an earned medium, uh, meaning you 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 can't theoretically pay those websites, big large websites, uh, to link back to it. And if you find someone from inside that could do that, they would charge like crazy amount or the website itself will charge only for one link say three thousand four thousand dollars and etc so uh the way i found that works really well it's to find some unique data ideas or come up or connect a few dots together package it up in a really nice you know press release or create a nice page with data and send out to journalists to cover the story well, I present it to be simple, but the process is not that that easy, right? <laughs> I mean, you, you need to put some really good effort into each campaign to make it succeed because um, I see 
for example, some clients of ours that we are doing some PR work, initially when they come in, they tell, oh, I have this idea and then the statistics and et cetera. And then I look at the idea and tell them, listen, it's not going to work. It's, it's too specific or too broad for a journalist to cover. And here, when starting on a digital PR campaign, you need to understand the psychology of the journalist, what what they are previous what they have previously covered, what they are interested to cover, right? Because what journalists want is to cover stories that are going to be read by a lot of people to get more eyeballs into their content to make ad revenue, right? Yep. That's that's one of the most important things. So if you're too specific with your campaign, say the journalist will not get that many reads, right? If you are too broad, you're too broad. You shouldn't be go into political stuff and etc. So you need to be like a nice, really nice story. For example, uh, we have done um, during the uh, uh, Prince Charles coronation, we have done uh, just before the coronation event, we have done a campaign that and we knew that they're going to spend 100 million pounds on the coronation event and people were not that happy in Britain. And then we, 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 we kind of reversed it until if they haven't spent that 100 million pounds on the coronation, what kind of social issues they could solve. <laughs> Uh, not for this specific website, for for uh, for another website, but what kind of and then it went viral about 100 backlinks from the Sun, MSN, um, you know, different kind of media outlets. So yeah, okay. So there's just so many things. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing. There's so many things that I want to backtrack on and cover and get right. <clears throat> Starting from the start to get PR links, public relation links. You want to have, it sounds like you need to be in a Goldilocks zone. It can't be too niche and it can't be too broad. So I want to touch on that. I want to ask about that. And then I also want to ask about um, how to present the campaign, whether it's a blog or it's a, it's a campaign, in, it's a post or it's a campaign in it's, it's completely separate. But first, how do we find that Goldilocks zone? Can you give us an example of uh, something that's too niche, something that's too broad, and then something that is in the Goldilocks zone. I would I'm yeah, sure. saying Goldilocks zone. As a- so um, I would tell something too niche would be, say I'm working on a construction time clock up, right? It's my clan. So if I went about construction time clocks, something, a study and so on and so forth, most probably it won't work. Even if you send to a journalist that are covering industrial related uh, content and so on and so forth. The broad thing, um, it's say if you find some kind of a data, uh, say, I don't know, the searches, like some kind of a predictable data. Say uh, Kia released this car and the searches for this car increased by this many percent. It's kind of a vague broad, you know, uh, thing that people most probably would not like to cover. But when you go, for example, a study, uh, the most, we have done this previously, uh, and it, again, uh, created about like 50, 70, something like this links. The most searched um, celebrity kids 
um, right? Uh, and we ranked the celebrity kids based on the searches, kind of, and we measured their popularity by that and created some kind of a popularity index out of it. This might be kind of cool thing for a journalist to cover. It's not too broad. It's not too specific. It's kind of just, you know. And you need to understand one thing in here, that the campaign, say, you're a time clock up, right? You're HR related. So you can pick any type of content, any type of campaign idea related to, to HR, people, working habits, and so on and so forth. So you can touch upon so many topics in your industry that are not specific. And the value still is the backlink that you receive uh, from them. Mainly the journalists are going to link back to with your brand name, referencing you as the initial source for, uh, for the campaign in their um, write-up. So kind of the surrounding content here should be some kind of related to your business, but it doesn't need to be specifically related, right? Because what matters at the uh, at the end is, is the do follow backlink that you're receiving back to your website from an authority website. Okay, so you can't be too niche that nobody it's going to be the audience is going to be too small that they won't want to cover it and you don't want to be too broad that everybody knows what is already being talked about because it's so damn broad right so then yeah when does it so do you have in this goldilocks zone can you add to that topic to be very um like clickbaity or very out of the box or something pretty alarming or different that people would never have thought like for example you know not necessarily you just need to be interesting clickbaity you can be clickbaity as well with your campaigns but when when you tell like clickbaity i usually think about like this breaking stories and so on and so forth that a lot of people want to uh, have interest uh, it, uh, but um you just need to be interesting enough like again you need to understand what journalists are looking for and what the readers at the ad- on the other side are looking for and create stories for them cool cool and then so when you how do you how do you find the journalists first and foremost oh well, there are different kind of tools which are pretty expensive that could do the work for you for example cision mockrug they're pretty expensive uh, for uh, site owners if, well we are a SEO and digital PR company so it makes sense for us to have that tools mm-hmm. but for a site owner like a standalone if you have a site it most probably would not make sense to buy these tools there are some alternatives that you can do like just um find a list of journal for example if you're writing about hr story right you can go to the google news and find who wrote recently in the past i don't know three months about hr related topics hr and then pick the journalist what was that? HR is in human resources. Yeah, okay. for example, example just, yeah. just an example. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, you can go and find them, and then you could go to Hunter, find their profile on uh, on the news media, go to Hunter, find their email through that, and then create an outreach campaign. It's a little bit time consuming, but 
you know, it's it's completely worth it. It's what you got to do when you're just starting out <laughs> and you can't afford the Exactly. Right? So when you find a couple of journalists, what goes into creating a good campaign? Do you, do you go away and create uh, an article first and foremost and say, hey, would you like to link to this article? Here's how you could do it in your, you know, in your own posts or do you, yeah, how do, what does a good campaign look like? So you can, uh, as soon as you have your ideas, you have your research done, you can either create a press release on the document, mm-hmm. it's like Google Doc and send them out, uh, send to them. Um, or you can create a page on your website, hosting that content and then ask them to link back to that content, right? Typically, I do with Google Docs because I want them to link to my homepage rather than that specific page. Right. But if they end up uh, linking to that specific page, I would, after some time, after I get the campaign over, I'll redirect that, uh, that uh, page to any of the relevant pages uh, that I want to rank. For example, it can be homepage or you can choose to link out from that press release to different kind of important money pages that you have. So you can go different way about it. Yeah. So why would you? Uh, I I believe I'd know why, but just for the listeners, why would you want to get links to your homepage versus the the page that you've you've got published on your site? Um, the reason being is that the homepage uh, has a route to all of the inter with the internal links to many different kind of pages, right? So kind of the linkages and the authority passes through that links to other pages that you want to rank, right? Yeah. And, uh, typically that's the main reason. Yeah. And then if you did have money pages or specific pages that you did want to outrank competitors with, and you needed to build authority to that individual page, then you could ask a link to that direct page versus your homepage, right? Yeah. Uh, you can you can redirect that press release to that page or link out from the press release to that page. It's a choice. What do you mean re- redirecting would be my... So, for example, you have a press release written on your website, right? And it holds a really good amount of backlinks, uh-huh. like authority backlinks. Uh-huh. You can redirect that page to your money page or you can um, and put the content on another URL, kind of, if that makes sense. Or you could link out from your press release page to the money page. Uh, my preference is, is redirecting. Redirect straight. So when somebody goes to that um, press page, they'll be redirected straight to the... I don't think that like after news come and go, I don't think that people are going, for example, after three, six months, go back to that news, right? Because it's not an evergreen content. So there is not that much of a risk there. Okay. So you're doing PR for non-evergreen content? In, in some word, yes, because it's still, you know, it's still, it's, it's, it's published on news. Today it's published on news, tomorrow 100 news stories are coming after tomorrow 200 news stories are coming right so uh because the data is time sensitive meaning i have done a campaign as i said about the most popular celebrity kids and gave an index to that three months later some other kid may be the most popular right so that old one is not relevant anymore got ya got ya Mm -hmm. uh and so what increases your chance of success of 
journalists um, awarding you a win in terms of linking to your to your page or your domain when you've when uh, first of all goes into that. Sure. So first of all, it's the relevancy of the journalist. You you don't want to pick uh, I don't know automotive journalist if you're writing about celebrities, right? So first, the, how you pick and how you pitch. It should be in your email. The f- you don't need to fluff. You don't need to. You just go exactly to the point telling, I've got a story for you. Interesting. A data research about this. Are interested in covering it. And sometimes they don't even reply. Sometimes you just see the Google uh, alerts telling like, oh, you have, your brand has been mentioned in here and there and there. So um, most probably the choice of the journalist and the email actual email uh that goes to them and obviously the the campaign itself which would be interesting yeah cool love it love it (laughs) so what else did you do to get this site to 80 think of it through the lens of people that are listening to this are buying content sites they're buying blogs and you went bought a dr19 domain name and built a site on it and then grew it to about 80,000 hits in a year. People that have, people are buying similar sites, similar businesses with similar level of authority, but already have some traffic. What are some of the things that you have done to get this site from zero to 80,000 hits that could be very beneficial for people that are buying their first content sites to build up their traffic as well? Sure, so I would tell a part, if I were, buying a website right i would take a look not only to the good amount of backlinks that they have but an actual content that they have right if they have two scattered topics about different kind of you know here and there and so on and so forth and without clustering the topics together give me an example again, like because- a niche or something just so people like you could use surfing you could use um, push bikes you could use anything as a hobby but could you give me an example? Uh, what you yes, for example, if your website about I don't know surfing, uh, or if you're a general life, um, the hobbies and etc. website, and you're talking about surfing and you're talking about um, I don't know hiking and you're talking about just like scattered topics one. Just you found a good keyword. Yeah, yeah. I thought, ha, I want to rank for that keyword. Okay. Let's go and do an article for that. If they're too scattered, then it's very hardly that you will get a topical authority. If you focused several topics around surfing, connected them together, answered all the questions that people have around the surfing, and then go to another topic that is related to it, right? Some, I don't know, something else like jet ski and etc. Um, that would make the website more authority within that topic, right? So I would like people to focus and take a look at the how they're structuring their content, how they're doing the what kind of content do they have yes. right on the website, and how closely related those topics to help each other yeah. to rank. Spot on. So I've seen people um, look at buying lifestyle blogs where we've done reviews. We do we help people do due diligence um, when we review their due diligence before they go away and buy a business, and we point out things like niche and uh, some some people send us businesses they're looking at buying that are 
a lifestyle niche where it's a personal brand that they talk about relationships, they talk about family, they talk about health, they talk about their hobbies and they talk about everything in their life. Whereas that person cannot really take a grasp of topical authority because they talk about so many different subjects that are not relevant to one another versus somebody that has a website that is about surfing. They might talk about surfing in multiple different countries, different um, types of surfing, big wave surfing, small wave surfing, barrel riding, different types of surfboards, and they can create a authority a lot easier because they're covering so many topics within that one category versus trying to cover topics in a range of categories. Is that a good example? 100%. And also to add up to that, not only right now that Google is prioritizing this EEAT compliance and et cetera, you cannot physically uh, cover all the topics and have really good writers dedicated to them, right? So this is another point. Yeah. And I think we'll come back to the EAT uh, and and this talk because it's super relevant as right now with this recent Google updates, Google started smashing a lot of affiliate websites that are not compliant with it and so on and so forth. So... um, and they have been for a long time as well, um, sites without proper yeah. authority. So are you saying for somebody that's bought a site, they would look at wh- what the positioning is of their authority and what topical authority they do or don't have and then start finding keywords that can help them cover more uh, topics within that category to build topical authority? Is that what you your suggestion is? Um, yes, kind of just take a look that they are – at least covered a, a couple of uh, topics like at, at a full grade, mm-hmm. right? Just to make sure that that I wouldn't tell. Well, typically when I'm buying my website, I don't uh, go too niche with the domain. For example, if I decided to have a surfer brand, a surf, surfing brand, I wouldn't uh, take like domain with my surfing that uh, that come right uh, because at the top of my head is like surfing it's a very niche topic there are a certain amount of articles that you could do and then you most probably exhausted the topic then i might go to another relevant very like adjacent uh, relevant activity as a hobby as, as jet skis right as it's water related pretty relevant as a hobby and cover that and etc. So I wouldn't limit uh, to only one niche unless that niche is maybe like too big, like there's too much search volume in there and so on and so forth. But my preference is not limiting a domain. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at least you should cover a good amount of content, interlink everything together to get this topical authority in the first hand. And also when it comes to the PR, it's also very hard, not PR, but like general link building. It's very hard when you're covering different topics, one has nothing to do with each other to bring relevant backlinks on a domain level, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. This is another thing. Yeah, absolutely. Why is somebody going to link to your blog when you're covering so many lifestyle topics and they don't know what your site is about it's also when the user goes to a website and they see that it's a lifestyle blog and they cover you know things about their health their exercise their relationships the user is going to be like well 
you're a jack of all trades and a master of none. Why should I listen to you in any of the categories? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's true. What what else what else have you done um, that you feel would be helpful for somebody that's just bought a site to um, to grow it? So pretty much um um I would tell I have created a lot of clusters. My entire website is built on those. Mm. Um until I exhaust all the topics within one niche, I wouldn't go to another uh talking about something else. Another growth strategy. So stick this is that. another stick with that one strategy of covering topical authority before you move on to another growth yes. strategy. Okay. Yes. Yeah, typically I do that. Even sometimes, and I mentioned this with uh, my other uh, podcast with Anatoly. So, um, and I forgot what I was telling. <laughs> Skip my mind. <laughs> That's all right. So I'll remember what that. Would you do, what would you say? Somebody has you know spent a year covering topical authority, and they put out you know I don't know five hundred articles, and they're really good, solid articles, good quality content. Where would, where would you go to next? What would you suggest somebody do once they've covered that topical authority or started to make really good legway on it? Go to the next topics <laughs> that are <laughs> So just find another topic and create, keep creating content? Yeah. So um, initially I start building some topical authority, uh, generate some ad revenue, and then only after creating the topical authority go to, to the affiliate side of things, yes. right? Yes. And please tell me why. I mean, I know why, but tell us all listening to the podcast, why wait to build topical authority before you start putting affiliate load or releasing and publishing content that are affiliate? My my first reason is that you need to be a little bit independent and the website itself should generate some kind of an independent revenue, recurring revenue before jumping into the affiliate side. That's that's my f- first and foremost reason uh, of why I do that. And also it's much easier because you have the, it's much easier to rank for an affiliate content. Affiliate contents are much harder to rank than typically the articles, informational content, right? And then when you have the authority created, for example, around surfing, then it's, it, it, it gets you much easy access to rank for the affiliated uh, content. For example, top 10 surfing brands, right, that you need to consider, say. Yeah, absolutely. What I feel that most people do too quickly is they – it was a couple of years ago. It's changed now, which is really good. Most people are going for the money grab too too fast and just creating affiliate sites without any level of authority um, because they could get money um and generate money a lot faster from their sites in the younger years of growing it but now google has fixed that and solved that problem with eeat so you want to have to make sure you've built out some topical authority before you start adding some affiliate load to a website right otherwise google 100 typically i would go with 70 percent, 30 percent somewhere around that 70 percent informational 30 percent affiliate but right now, even my website is like 80%, 20% affiliate. Uh, and then what are some of the things, I, I got asked this question um, from a mastermind member. What are some of the things that you track when you're running a content site like the one that you have, you built out? What are some of the things you track on a weekly or a monthly basis? 
to just see it continuing to grow um, and yeah, how do you pick apart that data and use it for growth? I would tell the engagement first and foremost, because um, right now as engagement is becoming more critical um, on the page, on a domain level, then the engagement is one of the things that like user experience, uh, how user interact with your website, do they come and just review that article and get what they want and then just they bounce or they scroll, they read, they navigate to one page to another page um, and, and so on and so forth, right? So engagement is a really big part. So what are you looking what are you looking at when you're looking at engagement? And if you are using Google Analytics, you know, for what are some of the things that you do look at to track, you know, are they going to multiple pages? How long are they spending on each page? Just just share with us like what that looks like for you when you're analyzing sure. that data so how long does they uh, stay on the page 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 stay time the bounce rate which is important for me uh the scroll rate how much did, how far did they have they scrolled um and uh, and the sessions uh like how many sessions per user i do have yeah uh cool and so i know it sounds pretty basic but uh, would you suggest if people wanted to increase their level of engagement on their site that they go away and look at the competitors and see like what those top ranking pages are for those keywords that you want to sort of make sure you outvalue them? I would tell if your competitors are significantly better than you, mm. yes. In my niche, they're not significantly better than me. So uh, I would go to the big guys say I would go and check out the winners from the last Google's update and see like what they have done, right? Because they, apart from the backlinks, apart from the uh, content, apart from the EAT, uh, they should have done something correct with their user experience as well to, to be a winner in the, in the update. And also like not only winners, but also like Someone that you want to become in, 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 in a few years, right? Someone that is a good role model for you to tell, ha, this website is really good. For example, Healthline, uh, WebMD, and et cetera. They, they have big marketing things. They have big CRO teams. So kind of, and they have done all the testings for you most probably. So kind of just taking a look at them, figuring out how you can leverage that. Uh, on your own website would be uh, a good way of to uh, to do it. And it doesn't necessarily need to be a niche relevant, right? Because the knowledge that you learn from other websites, you can, you know, process it and then apply to your business as well. Absolutely. And I, I'm glad that you shared that because I think a lot of people in our space, typically people listening to the blog, uh, listening to the podcast, looking at buying content sites and from what they have learned from all these other places from inf free information without getting proper coaching, uh, they, they're of the belief that they need to buy a content site and just continue to put out content and just keep repeating more and more and more and more content. And yeah, you can do that and it can cover good topical authority if you do it with a structured approach. But I don't think they are thinking about things differently to get to the next level, to get to the next step, to like what you have mentioned is like look at the big guys in your space, in your industry, in your niche that are 
doing great things that are providing a massive amount of value, those people that are providing the, more, the most amount of value are the ones that are reaping in the most wealth and income from their sites. So looking at your blog of going, how do I take this from just like a niche website or just a small blog to an actual big player and carve out some market share um, in the industry, yeah. right? And take over a, a portion of traffic and portion of market share in that industry. So I'm glad yeah, you yeah. mentioned that. Yeah, yeah. That's hard. That there, there are too many moving parts. There's so many moving and parts. And I do understand that it's challenging. Google with its updates are coming and making it even challenging. The AI came and made it even more challenging. Initially, people were thinking, oh, ChatGPT, cool. We will generate most amount of content, get ranked with it. Yeah, sometimes it's uh, possible. But uh, right now that the industry is completely changing into uh, into like uh, this, this value of the content and who wrote the content, experts, even how you write the content, right? It's credibility. Uh, first-hand experience and so on and so forth, this kind of stuff. So um, people might tell, how do I, I'm a surf, surfing, uh, surf, surfing website, right? How do I go and check? And it's physically impossible to uh, review each and every I have nothing to do with surfing. How do I review, right? I don't even know how to surf. <laughs> how do I test you can those? Guys? You can be further away from the surf with where you live. <laughs> yes. This is where um, I got a newsletter. Uh, uh, um, I just don't remember his name, but he was telling some interesting things, um, telling like right now the industry changes uh, from being the master of the content uh, to being the curator of the content. Meaning, say, if you're writing about surfing and you haven't tested any of it, there are so many reviews and people that actually use the product Mm -hmm. that you can take their knowledge and reference even them. Absolutely. Because it's all about proving that whatever you're writing, it's correct. It's fact-checked. Right. Yeah, real world experience versus um, what people have done for the last f- five to ten years is regurgitate content uh, that is selling affiliate products and just regurg- regurgitating content that other websites are talking about that uh, have been, you know, written and basically regurgitated from writers, um, which is what. AI is doing and that's just continuing down that thread and how you beat that is real world experience of some somebody saying hey I bought this web I bought this surfboard or I bought these five surfboards I surfed one a month over five months this is the one that I liked best for my surfing ability this is the one that I like the least this is how much they cost this is where you can buy them from uh, and this is how to take care of them these are the type of waves to surf these surfboards in if I was to do that, I'm becoming the master of that domain in surfing for board reviews because I'm sharing real-world experience that people are going to trust a human being that has shown proof that they have the surfboards in their room and video footage of them actually using that product. 
versus somebody that's up a, up an yeah. affiliate site of like here's the best f- five surfboards to buy from amazon you know who's that's good but for example the times when you don't know surfing or you're covering trucks right large trucks you you you're affiliated with their website how do you test that right this is where there is so much information across the web from people that actually draw it comments the product comments even the the reviews and etc that you can take a look and just figure it out and then for example you could take the reviews of that truck or that surf uh um yes and uh (laughs) and analyze the reviews analyze the reviews and tell okay this portion of people told that this has this kind of a defect this portion of the people tell that this specific thing it's really good is for example i don't know very um uh, very sound very um, one surfboards for big waves and this everybody says this one's good for small waves yeah and you can use exactly of their you know five percent of the commenters you know have said this versus exactly yes that this is where i come to them to my first point telling you need a proof you need to prove and in order to prove it you don't necessarily need to have a first-hand experience you can use others first-hand experience by analyzing the trends and then incorporating that in your uh in your website because theoretically it's impossible especially those large large affiliate websites it's say you're trying um uh uh uh, uh eyebrow uh, uh serum yeah, right yeah, that yeah. would help you fill in the gaps yeah. to try you're reviewing it. 10 yeah. 10 of it yeah. how it is possible right. to test it right even if you have a year you yeah. cannot test yeah. it yeah absolutely i still i still beg to differ that if somebody let's just use makeup as an example say you have an affiliate site that is makeup uh, all about makeup right and you have 50 percent informational content and then you have 50 percent affiliate content on there i still believe that if you went and started hiring other bloggers and other people that are in the makeup space to record a video of them using a product and you know sharing their pros and cons and you paid them to do that and you could turn that into a piece of content that it would probably beat um probably outrank the user generated content from other like lots of other sources so i think you know i think a lot of people that have gone down the game of uh, let's use ai to create a lot more content but it's going to be thin and regurgitated versus how you can actually win is you know paying people for good content and outranking them absolutely a brilliant idea of uh, how else you can kind of um, take that first-hand experience and apply it to to your blog a brilliant idea because um, at the end of the day yes SEOs we all like automation we all like scaling we all like doing less work getting maximum results we all will like it but with the current changes um you, you the other day I was talking to a website owner that was very much affected by this uh, uh, Google's update of helpful content it probably lost 50% of traffic and then I'm telling like okay what 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 are your next steps what do you think let's like generating more content I need like more content probably thousand more content I was like look you just have the need for that yeah yeah <laughs> 
wise. <laughs> that's that's what that's so, what people have been taught, right? That's what I'm saying. Is so many people have listened to free advice on podcasts and YouTube videos and all that sort of stuff, and it's an old it's an old behavior that worked ten years ago or 15, 20 years ago to keep your website fresh and clean and updated and to continue producing and feeding the machine because Google wanted more content so they could be the biggest search engine. They're clearly the biggest search engine. Now they don't want any more content. They don't want more. They just want better. Yeah. 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 And everything is directed to that. Everything. Yeah. I think effort is attractive and I think effort in content is going to win, and uh, I'm glad because it's going to make the better the internet a better place for us. And I wanted to ask you because then you've, we, you know we've talked about content a lot, and there's there's a difference there's a big difference between content strategy and an SEO strategy. So SEO is not just like one side, right? And then you got content. I think the SEO strategy comes first that helps you build a content strategy. But can you explain the difference between what an SEO strategy is and what a content strategy is so people can clearly navigate that? I can give you a really good example of that. Uh, for example, I I have a page right now on my website about the crypto link building, a very specific for my SEO website. I'm looking in... Um, um, Typically, I used to write very niche content about each industry. And I'm looking in the Adras data, Mongols data, SEMrush data. Nobody searches for uh, crypto link building. I was like, come on, this should be, you know, something that's wrong with it. I mean, I have that gut feeling in my industry. There's with so many crypto websites, with so many uh, programs out there and etc., people should be searching for it. I get, I don't know, several inquiries without having that content on my website per month. How it's possible that nobody's searching for it? I don't like, come on, I'm doing that. I'm, I'm still writing that content, even if there was zero search volume for that. Right now, that page generates about 200 traffic for me, right? So uh, basically... Uh, Yes, SEO strategy gives you some kind of a clue, some kind of a direction telling, okay, this is a topic that people are interested in, but you need to take that content topic and then own it, write it like you have experienced it, right? From all the angles, every angle, if, whether it's creating search volume or not, because most of the time, these third-party tools are good at identifying search volume for highest amount of uh, uh, the, the, the keywords that get how, hi, higher amount of searches. But most probably, even if you see the keyword holding 40 search volume per month uh, on Adrefs, actual search volume is way higher than what's reported. So just go for it because people tend not to pay attention to that lower um, uh, search volume keywords, but essentially that can bring you a lot of traffic. And uh, when it comes to the content strategy, you just need to own the topic, right? If you're writing about makeup, uh, this eyebrow serums, then don't write only about best eyebrow serums and how to use an eyebrow serums and effectiveness of it, right? Try to figure out, ideate all the possible angles. And the way I go with the content strategy is that 
I find a topic that it's a good topic on Ahrefs. I put that aside. I vet it that it's good angle, right? It holds good amount of search volume, the top level keyword. Then if the top level keyword holds good substantial amount, then the interests around that topic should be as well, you know, more or less uh, searchable, right? And then I go to YouTube. I watch videos. And from those videos, I learn what angles people are covering, what they're talking about, right? I watch the comments. I go to Instagram. I watch the comments. I go to forums. I watch the comments. Google autocomplete. Uh, people also ask. I gather a lot of information around the topic. Then I start, uh, you know, deduplicating all the duplicates and etc. cetera. Uh, and then I have my full topic that I need to cover. This is a content strategy. And the keyword strategy uh, or SEO strategy is like out of these 20, 30 topics that I need to write about, I don't know, 15, 20 of them have search volumes. Yeah. So this is that, right? <laughs> a lot more, a lot more. But obviously the SEO strategy, I mean, that's a keyword strategy. There's, you know, SEO strategy is a pretty broad term because you can have an SEO campaign that can do have nothing to do um, that can have nothing to do with content and keywords as well. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Tech, yeah. You can have a, a you know technical SEO strategy to fix some technical exactly. SEO issues mm-hmm. first and foremost. Now that's a good question to ask you when you're uh, when you bring a client on board with your agency. Um, I know that what we typically do um, when somebody buys a site and they come into our SEO agency and we we grow that business for them. Typically, we start with uh, an overall look at the site, breakdown, bit of an audit, uh, and then we start with some technical things typically first. Do you normally go that route as well? And if not, you know what what do you what do you typically do first? Depending on what website we're talking about. If it's a content website, yeah, I might take a look at the technical things for the search console and etc. But the technical would be the last thing that I would be looking at. If the website is already generating traffic, good amount of traffic that you're willing to buy it, then most probably 70-80% of the technical should be in place, right? Yes, there might be some speed issues, there might be here and there, but I can show you thousands of websites with lower speed issue, better engagement that are outranking the better speed websites, yeah. if that makes sense. Because content's winning and right? people will people will read good content and wait for good content to load versus cheap, thin content it, that loads up. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So um, for the content website, most probably uh, the first thing that I would look is the distribution of the traffic mm. to make sure that not 20% of the website is generating 80% of the traffic, if that makes sense. Well, that, <laughs> Just like a nice... Yeah, team. that's something we look about, look at when we're buying a site as well. We look for no single source dependency of traffic from just a handful of pages. Yeah. You know, we saw a site... Um, just today, that was 50% of the traffic was going to the top two pages, which, you know, 25% traffic going to two pages is a huge risk. when you're going Higher risk, yeah. That's good. Yeah, yeah exactly. That up. That's great. 
Mm -hmm. So I would take a look at the, um, uh, at the content, the quality, the EAT compliance first, and then um, most probably the link building and then the technical SEO side. But if it's a website, for example, marketplace, right? It's a highly customized website. And it's said most probably the technical should come the first uh, because those websites tend to have ton amount of technical issues or very large e-com and so on and so forth. So depending on a case, uh, which part in SEO from, from three directions of the SEO content, technical and link building should be prioritized. Yeah, and it's different for every single site at every different stage of the yeah. as well, you know, like a, a, a green site versus something that's reaching you know, adolescence to something that's kind of in maturity and wanting to go the next step is always. Yeah. Yeah. For example, a client uh, came to me and told like, I have this page that was ranking first, second position for a very large term. Right now it's like ranking 30th position. And then I'm looking at the traffic is that one page that suffered most probably I wouldn't prioritize the technical SEO first. I would just go deep into figuring out what caused that keyword. But if I see like a huge drop in traffic, then uh, then most probably it would be a good idea to check it technically as well. Yeah, absolutely. Now, for somebody that doesn't use an SEO agency and they are running their site themselves, what would you find at the top? you know, two to five SEO tools that a site owner should be using. Sure. And oh, one more thing, Jared, that came to my mind that I feel that's also important for the people that are considering to buy a website, take a look at, go to Search Console, go to your pages and see how many pages are crawled and not indexed, discovered, and not indexed. Gonna... Good, good representations of the uh, what Google thinks about. I had a really right? good about overall. Yeah, website. I'd like to test this thinking with you because um, I had this. I've had this discussion two different times in the last two days. Um, oh really? Yeah. <laughs> so when people had, so I'm glad you brought that up. Um, when people are buying sites, yes, definitely go to Google Search Console and look at what's indexed, what's not indexed, and what's crawled and what is not crawled. And the way I was talking about it is that Google has a certain crawl budget, right? And if Google is not, you know, there's there's a bunch of, say there's a lot of pages not being crawled on a site that you're looking at purchasing, that can be due to maybe the um, site structuring of where people can actually all the bots go through the site is not the easiest. So, for example, if a site doesn't have the best um, site structuring and, you know, categories or subcategories and whatnot, and they've got, say, three categories with, like, all of their articles within those three categories, the Google bot may have only a certain amount of crawl budget and they'll go to find, you know, all the pages on the site, but they will run out of budget if they get lost and in like a big pool of content in one category. Um, and that's what you can see. That's where you can see if you've got a lot of pages not crawled or indexed in the Google Search Console, that could be a site structure issue. Do you have anything to fix or add to what I've just mentioned? Um, I would tell that 
most probably for me personally the crawled not indexed and discovered not indexed the discovered and not indexed it's meaning that people uh google saw the content didn't yet have a time whether for crawl budget purposes or some other reason they didn't have time to crawl those websites i wouldn't be that worried about it. i just need to wait a little bit more for it to be crawled but if it's crawled, not indexed, unless those pages are, for example, paginations and the unnecessary pages, but there's a real content, that means that they just reviewed the website, the page, they just took the page, they spent money on you, yeah. they crawled your page crawled. because they spent money on yeah. you, and then it's a waste of money for them. They took it, they put that in the trash. Yeah. This is my thinking of it. What kind of a good representation you have if good amount of pages that you have are crawled and not indexed. So kind of you, as, as a student, right? You mean that yeah. you wrote your paper and the teacher took it and put you like, um, uh, you know, D, I don't know what's the yeah. grading system in, in, yeah. in Australia, but like a D minus or something like F. Yeah, it's just like go. <laughs> I don't like you. <laughs> that means the site's so, content is not that great, right? When they're crawling it, they're saying. It's not that great, yeah. yeah. Either it's, yeah, it's not that great. Or either it's not great or you have some kind of a technical issue with that that Google cannot render and, you know, um, normally read the page. Yeah, yeah. Two of the reasons. So I would be very specific about that just go and take a look if there are thousands of articles like those people spend so many time writing that article or put an effort into like ai writing right. the article doesn't matter yeah. in some way it's like still time still right if they have done yes that 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 all effort and it's still not considered to be good enough or worthy enough to be indexed mm -hmm. right mm -hmm then uh-uh, there's something wrong here. Absolutely. So, <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah, good. And I'm sorry. Yeah. That's a no, really yeah. good diligence tip to talk about. I'm glad you brought it up because it's very relevant for me and the discussions I've had in the last couple of days too. Exactly. And then you were asking about the best tools, yeah, that, tools. The, the top tools. That yeah, I'm tools. You know, um, I've got a few tools that, that we like to use, but I'd love to hear what you have to say. Um, for people that aren't using SEO agency and they're running their sites themselves, what are the top sort of two to five tools you recommend? I would tell Search Console, know how to use Search Console. Yep. That's the best tool. That's your best friend in SEO. I know that people are jumping and doing like SEMrush, Ahrefs, etc. But know how to get data. Know how to learn. Uh, uh, learn from learn and interpret the data from Search Console. Take the data. Go to Google Analytics. Do your further digging into stuff in Google Analytics. Then go to can be Rank Tracker. Uh, that you can use, um, you can use Ahrefs, SEMrush, RankTracker.com. These are the, you know, ones I'm using. I'm using personally a lot of Ahrefs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot in my agency. Yeah, less SEMrush, more Ahrefs. Uh, most uh, uh, SEMrush is brilliant as well, but we are most probably used to using Ahrefs much more. Um, but but SEMrush is also great. yeah, we we use Ahrefs quite a lot. And SEMrush, but also I think it's worth uh, highlighting what you've said here with Google Search Console and Google Analytics. Most people just are 
get fed and shoved down their throats all these different SEO tools that you should use or you could use. Those those are typically ones that are paid for and they're typically you know affiliates. I know Ahrefs is not, SEMrush is, but Google Search Console and um, Google Analytics is not a paid thing and it's free and also it's far better because it's more accurate data uh, whereas Ahrefs and these other tools are an estimation and an assumption merely. 100%. Uh, using 100%. the right data. Like if you're using data to grow your business, you want accurate data and the most accurate data allows you to grow your business better. So I just wanted to highlight So highlight that. So thanks for bringing that up. And uh, yeah, sure. thanks for coming on. And then you can, you can do a lot of keyword research in uh, Search Console as well. So a page that has a good amount of impressions, but it's ranking in the 80, 90 per, uh, uh, position, it's a good idea to create a dedicated page for that, for example. It's also a good uh, use of it. And SEO testing. I know we're r- running out of time. SEOtesting.com, use that. You, or any other SEO testing to use that. Test your SEO, test your meta titles, test your descriptions, test your, you know, uh, uh, everything, just like UX. Test everything, test. It's a very important thing to do. Everything is, everything, I think when you're growing a business, stick to what's working and then experiment and test and whatever wins the test you keep doing, uh, everything is a test, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can we share your love with people to go and check out what you're up to? You can check my website at lupexdigital, L-O-O-P-E-X, digital.com. Um, and um, my service for the digital PR, uh, I will, uh, you know, send you the link yep. if you can add it. We'll add it. And, um, and my LinkedIn, most probably. I'm very active there. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate you, Maria. Thank you, Jared. Yeah, everybody that's listening, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks. Uh, and I'll see you, on, see you guys on the next one. Hey, YouTube watcher. If you thought that video was good, you should check out this video here on the two best types of websites beginners should buy. Or check out my playlist on how I made my first 100K from buying websites and how to do due diligence. Check it out. It's an awesome playlist. You'll enjoy it.